If you're able to stand with us tonight, 1 Samuel chapter 22, and uh, we'll bring a brief message tonight that God has laid upon our heart. I've been preaching through the life of David, uh, not every single Sunday night, but just as the Lord would uh, give me leadership to do so. And so I don't know several messages we've preached in the life of David, and I, I would have preached this last Sunday night, but God just led in another direction, and that was a great service that we had, and uh, what was just not the will of God. But you know, His timing is always perfect, and He knows what we need, and so tonight you pray for us for the next few moments. God would use us to be a help to you. First Samuel chapter 22 and verse number 1. The Bible says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Dulam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Verse number 2, 1 Samuel 22. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. Let's bow for prayer this evening, then you can be seated. Our Father, I pray if you would bless the message tonight. I pray that you give us wisdom, give us liberty. Oh God, we need your touch tonight. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll do what we cannot do. Lord, I ask you tonight to help us to hide us behind the shadows of the cross. Lord, I pray that we'd not see flesh, we'd not see man. But oh God, may you receive maximum glory in this service. And may you be lifted up. And I pray, Lord, that we'd see no man save Jesus only tonight. And we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to draw your attention to probably what is the greatest phrase in this entire chapter of chapter 22 and it is the first phrase notice the Bible says in verse number 22 that David therefore departed thence David therefore departed thence and I want to preach a few minutes tonight on David's departure and when you think about this phrase and how uh, great this phrase is, you might ask, uh, well, Brother Gravely, what is so great about that little phrase in the Bible there where it said, and David departed thence? Well, if you go back to chapter 21, and we'll not take time to elaborate this chapter, but you know that David has been on the run from Saul. And the problem in David's life is that David is running from Saul uh, rather than trusting God. Now, this is easy preaching and hard living, uh, because every one of us has been uh, just like David in our own life. There are times when adversity comes and problems comes in our life and it is so easy to run from the enemy as to just sit in that place and wait for God to do what God is going to do. And David finds himself on the run and because of that, David is out of kilter with God. David is in a backslid state. Now, he's not living a life of sin, but he's just not where uh, God wants him to be had. And in chapter number 21, David goes down to Gath. I mean, that is the worst place that David could have went, is to go down into Philistine territory, uh, toting a, a Goliath's sword, wandering and thinking that uh, the Philistines is not going to recognize him. But isn't that the way people are when they backslide? Uh, they think they can just get out in this world and mix amongst the world as if the world is not going to identify them as being different from what they 
are. David is not sound in his thinking in chapter 21 because he has got out of the will of God. And friend, when you and I get out of the will of God, one of the first things that it affects is our mentality, amen? Because when we get out of the will of God, we get away from the word of God and sound doctrine and a sound mind no longer becomes a part of our mentality. And so David has got away from God and David has suffered the consequences. In fact, the Bible says in verse 13 of chapter 21 that he changed his behavior before them. When people backslide, they always change their behavior. Amen. Ain't it amazing when people backslide how it's never their fault? It's always the church's fault. Or it's the preacher's fault. They'll blame the church or they'll blame that church or that preacher. Uh, they'll point the finger, but they'll never, Brother Ronnie, uh, just own up to their own self. And, and David changes his behavior. I mean, you can't live for God and live a Christian life and hold hands with the world. Isn't that right? And so the Bible says in verse number 15, uh, uh, the, man, uh, the, uh, the king of Gath says, have I need of a madman? Because that's the way David was living his life. Uh, David was living his life uh, in a way that he wasn't acting real or right or respectful and that's the way people do when they backslide. But when we come to chapter 22, uh, David is departing from Gath. He's coming up out of the world uh, and he's going looking for God. And that tells me that David is learning in this text here. David realizes now that he can't do it the way he wants to. He can't do it the way the world wants him to. Uh, David realizes... Uh, uh, that being on the run from Saul is being on the run from God. And I'm glad that David is learning these truths in his life. Now, we'll stop and say this tonight. God allows adversity and He allows enemies and foes, uh, however you want to describe it. He allows things to come in our life that's unpleasant, but God is not worried about the problem. He's more worried about the person. Amen. God isn't worried about Saul. You know what Saul is? Saul is just a tool in God's hand for, for God to work what he needs to work in David's life. Now that helps me tonight because I've had enemies. I've had adversity. Have you ever had adversity? you ever had foes and enemies? And oftentimes uh, we want God to remove the adversity in our life. But you know what? God isn't going to remove Saul from David uh, because what God knows is that Saul, as bad as it looks and as bad as it seems, uh, God knows that Saul is good for David. Amen? Now what a God tonight that can take bad situations and use them and protect us in the midst of them and use them as tools. Amen to, to work in our life And when I think about that tonight David is learning And then I see that David is leaning Amen You say what do you mean David is leaning on God When he comes up out of, the, of Gath What that means tonight Is that David is no longer leaning To his own understanding But in all his ways He's about to acknowledge God And so David is learning And he's leaning But then David is listening Amen For the first time now David is not listening to Jonathan and Jonathan was a good influence in David's life but listen Jonathan was not God in David's life amen now I thank God for good influences but we have to be careful that we don't allow even good influences to influence us in the wrong direction amen 
I see this sometimes as a pastor and it really disturbs me that when I see people attach themselves to personalities, uh, when I see them attach themselves and they just so love this individual. Let me tell you something. Flesh is flesh. I don't care who you wrap it up in. Flesh is flesh. Amen. And a spiritual person will be spiritually minded enough that they will not try to push you or influence you into doing something that they want you to do. They will influence you to do what God wants you to do. And friend, I do not know the will of God for people's life. I know what the Bible says and when people go against the Bible certainly we can take counsel and say that's not the will of God. But this matter of just trying to influence someone to do something that God may or may not be is a very dangerous thing and so you cannot rely on the influences around you and David in chapter number 20 was relying too much on Jonathan and it got him in trouble but now David's not listening to Jonathan David is not listening to Saul David is not listening to those around him but David is listening for one thing he's listening for the voice of God What I see in this text is his cause. Notice he leaves uh, out of Gath. The Bible says he departs what is David's uh, or his cave. The Bible said that he escaped to the cave of Dulam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Now David comes out of Gath and he goes down to this cave. Do you realize tonight God's got a cave for every one of us? Now a cave is a deep, dark hole. Isn't that right? It's a dungeon. It's damp. It's dreary. There's nothing good out of it, Brother Brian. When you think about a cave, uh, nobody wants to go live in a cave. Amen. But in God's eyes, uh, God takes something that's so deep. He takes something that's so dark. Uh, he takes something that's so dreary. And God uses it as a spiritual tool in David's life uh, because this cave is a safe place. Uh, it is the safest place in David's life. This cave is a secret place. Uh, it's a place where David can get along with God without any distractions, uh, without any outside influences. Uh, it is, my friend, a still place. Uh, God put David in a cave so that David could be still long enough so he could hear what God had to say to him. He's never going to find direction running from Saul. He's got to get in a place where he can be still and know that I am God. Amen. God has caves for every one of us. For me, I remember a time when a cave was a carpet mill for five years in the back of it. You want to talk about dark and dreary? You want to talk about a cave? You want to talk about a dungeon? That's exactly what it was. But it was one of the best things in my life. And God put me in that cave. Why? Because it was a safe place. It was a secret place. It was a still place. I see David's cave. And then I see David's comrades. Notice the Bible said that his brethren and his father's house, when they heard it, they went down thither to him. Now what I see about these brethren here is that they were loved ones. The Bible said they were of his father's house. And then they were loyal ones. They was loyal to David. And can I say thank God for some loyalty? And are you used to be a time when you never had to preach on that. But we're living in such a disloyal hour that my friend I, I see now as a pastor you've got to preach on loyalty in a time when you used to never have to preach on Those of you who's been in this church for years you know I've not preached much about loyalty. You know why? Because I hadn't needed to. But we're living in a day now when you have to. 
I, can I say something to, tonight? I think we ought to be loyal, number one, to Jesus Christ. That's where our loyalty most lies tonight. We are loyal to Him. But number two, there ought to be loyalty to the church of Christ. Amen. If you're loyal to Christ, you'll be loyal to the church. Amen. Now, we're living in a day of hirelings and thieves, and we're living in a day of proselyters, and we're living in a day when people will court your members. I'm not hypothetically preaching. I'm telling you stuff that I know, that I've experienced uh, when people will court the sheep uh, and try to get them to come over here, and and there'll be people that'll even come in your church, uh, and they'll want you to see them as the pastor or see them as the pastor's wife. Uh, Can I just stop? and run over this stump real good tonight and just say to every single one of you, you need to to decide tonight where your loyalty lies. And number one, it needs to be to Jesus. And then number two, it needs to be to your local church. And then number three, it needs to be to your man of God and to your pastor and to his children and to his family. And that's the hour we're living in. And you are sad that I've even got to preach on that. But I'm telling you, it grieves the Holy Spirit and can I stop and say this? Uh, personally, it grieves me also. Amen. My spirit has been grieved in times past. Not necessarily tonight, but in times past. My spirit's been grieved because as a pastor, you love the people you preach to. I love everybody in this room tonight. And I can't do much for you, but I, by the grace of God, I want to pray for you. And I fail in a lot of areas. I'll tell you that right up front. Uh, But you know, I love everybody here tonight. When I get up in the morning, my wife is sitting here. She knows I'm not telling you something that would not be true. But I would pray. I'll do my best to pray for you. If I can't do nothing else, I want to pray for you. And sometimes I get frustrated when I see people come in and try to steal the sheep. Amen. You saw Brother Gravely, that wouldn't happen. Oh, it has happened. Do you know what I pray every time? God, stop them. Amen. I pray, God, if you have to flatten all four of their tires, flatten every one of them. Amen. Let them know they don't fool with your sheep. Now, don't get quiet on me because I'm preaching. But I'm loyal to this church. I'm telling you, listen, I'd give every dime I had for this church. And I mean, God in heaven knows that tonight. I love this church. If you never gave me another paycheck, and I mean that from the depths of my heart, if I had to go get a job and work at Coca-Cola, I'd go work at Coca-Cola and still pastor this church as long as God wanted me to be the pastor of this church. You say, what are you saying? I'm not here for a paycheck tonight. I'm not here for a raise. In fact, if you never give me another raise, I'm not asking for one. Don't even want one. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm thankful for the church God has given me. If you never give me another benefit. If you keep every benefit you have, give me. I still believe I'm in the will of God. And listen, I'm watching too many today. They're in it for the money. They're in it for the paycheck. They're in it for the glory. They're in it for the fame. And I'll tell you something, Brother Roach, I'll tell you, when I come to this church, I never asked this church how much they could pay me. I didn't care how much this church could pay me. When I walked through the doors of this church, listen, I'll tell you something. 19 years ago, I knew the Holy Ghost said boy this is where I want you to be at and by the good grace of God I want to die here hallelujah I mean that and I believe in loyalty not to a fault but I believe you ought to be loyal to your church I believe if somebody talks about your church you ought to say something to them about don't bow your head hold your head up and say hey that's my church you're talking about amen 
There's one thing you won't never hear me doing. No matter whose pulpit I'm preaching in, you never have to worry about word coming back that I bad mouth my church in somebody else's pulpit or in a restaurant across a table talking to a preacher. I don't have anything bad to say about this church. And if I did know something bad about this church, nobody's ever gonna know anything about it, amen, but the Lord, amen. You know why? Because I love my church. I thank God for the church. I've raised my children in this church. They've got married in this church. Hey, this church has been a good place to worship. It's been a good place to go to. You said something about it this morning, and I want to say hallelujah. Thank God for a church. I believe you ought to be willing to fight for your church. You ought to have some longevity in church membership, and you ought to take a stand for your church. Amen. I love every preacher in this church, and I love every preacher that's one out of this church. But I want to tell you something. When they're gone, they're gone, friend. Can I get a witness right there? And I love them, and I pray God will bless them, and I pray God will, God will put his approval, and I pray you'll just bless their socks off, amen? But can I tell you something? I don't pastor this church for preachers, amen? I pastor this church for the will of God, and there ought to be loyalty on both ends of that. I'm just simply saying tonight, if we're gonna move forward, you know why David could move forward? He didn't have a lot of men, but the men he had were loyal, amen? The men he had was gonna stand by him. They had his back. They was gonna stand in his corner. You say, preacher, is there any church trouble tonight? Not that I know of. It's just good preaching. It's in that book. Amen. I'm saying friend, uh, uh, listen, you young people, you young adults, uh, uh, this generation, this middle-aged generation as well, we need to learn uh, uh, there ought to be some loyalty to the man of God and his family. Hey, you ladies, don't you let another woman come in this church and be your pastor's wife. Somebody say Amen. You say nobody do that. You'd be surprised what some people got in mind sometimes. Amen. When it comes counsel, you ought to go talk to her if you're a lady. You ought to come talk to me if you're a man. You say, well, I, I, I like this person or I like that person. They're not the God-ordained authority in your life. Uh, hey, you, we don't get to pick and choose the will of God. And you may not like me, but hey, you're stuck with me. Amen. Uh, hey, listen, and I'm stuck with you. Uh, I don't get to pick and choose members. Uh, so why would people think they could pick and choose a pastor? Somebody say amen tonight. I'm talking about there has to be loyalty when it comes to the house of God. Now don't worry, we're not going to an island and we're not drinking Kool-Aid. Somebody say amen. That's right. I'm not going that far with it, friend. I'm just talking about we got to stick by the stuff. You say, why is that so important? I'm going to tell you why. I've, I've, I've been here long enough to see this. I've watched people that were disloyal. Here's what happens. They'll start running their mouth and saying things. There's a little boy come up to camp two years ago. We was out there at the pool, and he swam up there, and he swam, and he swam right up to me, and he said, he said, he, he, I, I can't tell you that. Never mind, I'm sorry. I'd grieve the Holy Spirit if I said that. I'm going to just simply say this. You better be careful, and I better be careful what I say about the church. This is God's bride tonight, Brother George. And I'm not saying nothing about his bride. I'm just glad I'm a part of it, Brother Mark. And I've lived long enough, I've pastored this church long enough to see this. When people are not loyal, the pastor in the church carries on. 
And they're flying high and strutting like peacocks for a while. But one day, them chickens come home to roost. And all that trash talk about the church and the pastor, you know where it comes home at? Right there. Right there, that little baby you're holding. Right there is where the chickens come home to roost, friend. Right there. You can talk about a preacher in a church and strut around like a peacock and think nothing ain't going to ever happen but one day. You'll need that pastor you talked about. You'll need that preacher's wife. Can I say something about my wife? She hates it when I say stuff about her. But I want to say something about her. And she'll tell you this is true. My wife is like a vault. If I want to gossip, she just won't gossip. You believe that, Miss Esther? She won't say nothing about nobody, not even if it's you. Thank God for that. You want to know why my kids are still in church? Because, listen, I prayed for them. But if you want to know who raised them right there, she sits. Amen. You want to know who invested their time in them and prayed over them and told them not to spend money and you don't need credit cards? Come on now. Amen. And you don't have to go to the mall every weekend. Amen. You know who told them how to make biscuits and cornbread out of an iron skillet? Somebody say amen to that. Amen. That's right. You know who told them not to talk? And who told them to be your own individual and have your personal walk with God? And don't be attached to everybody all the time. Walk with God for yourself. Right over there. I thank God for my wife. She ain't perfect. You know who plans everything in this church? (laughs) Now I'm really getting in trouble. Escape, I said, hey, let's do this. She's like, sounds good. I said, okay, you work all of it out and let me know when you're done. I'll make the announcement and, you know. But I, you say, why'd you say all that? I said it because of this. There has to be loyalty. Spiritual people will never put themselves on display. And spiritual people, it's never about them. It's always about serving others. Spiritual people need no titles and no trophies. Man, I'll tell you what. We don't need another title, do we? I'm telling you, we don't need, you know what, titles are, the only thing titles are even worth for is telling us what our job is to do. That's all they're, that's all they're good for. When somebody wears a title, you know what their job is, and that's all it's worth tonight. I don't know how I got off on all that, but I sure am glad I did. It'll help our church to learn there has to be loyalty because I, I'm telling you for this reason, we're living in a time when most good churches are, You know why they're suffering? Because all it takes is one wolf to walk in here tonight. One Absalom. Can I tell you something about Absalom in the Bible? If we would have met Absalom, we would have loved him. Don't sit there and think, man, if I'd have met Absalom, I'd tell you I'd have marked him from... No, you would not have. You wouldn't have marked Absalom. Because you wouldn't have known he was one. You know why we mark Absalom? Because we read the whole story. And we don't want what happened to them to happen to us. 
But can I tell you something? If an Absalom walks in, he'll have a personality or she'll have a personality that will not quit. If an Absalom walks in, they'll have an agenda. They'll have a motive. You say, is there an Absalom here tonight? Not that I know of, but I'll tell you what I do, friend, in pastoring. I don't wait till the, till the problem arises. I'll tell you what I do. I keep my hand on the handle, amen, and the first sign of trouble, I'm ready to flush it out. Somebody say amen. I'm just saying that's the way you have to pastor nowadays. If you don't, this that we love so much, this that we have and that we enjoy, it will be gone in one service. It can all be taken away tonight and the only way that we'll ever survive in this heathen society is for every one of us to join hands together to lock arms together and say by the grace of God we're on the same side we're pulling in the same direction oh I want to see your kids live for God I want to see them serve Jesus just like I wanted mine to serve God I want to see every single one of you boys every single one of you Live for God. I want to see all you girls live for God. Just like mine, uh, by the grace of God, they've turned out. And I pray they stay that way. I want y'all to live for God. I want that young man to live for God. Amen. I want him to serve God. I didn't want to be a pastor and I've seen them do it when theirs was done. They didn't care what happened to the youth group. They stopped doing everything because theirs was over, theirs was raised. Hey friend, listen, I want to see another generation serve God. I want to see another generation live for God. It's as important that I pray for you as it was to pray for my own kids. I pray for you boys because I want you to serve God. I don't want you to be a casualty. I don't want you to fall short. I don't want you to listen to mess your life. Up and see it. I want you to serve God and live a dedicated life. But there's got to be a level of loyalty that we're on the same page. Amen. If we're going to serve God. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. And David had some comrades. While I'm on the subject, every one of y'all ought to make your mind up tonight in this service that all of y'all are going to serve God together. The greatest thing, and I'm not just using the boys, but they're up here, you girls. The greatest thing is that you boys want to make your mind up. You're all going to marry godly women. You're going to live a pure life and not mess your life. You ought to covet together. And listen, what is it? A three chord, is that right? Is not easily broken. I'm telling you, you ought to make, you ought to make commitments to each other. That if one of you start wavering, the rest of you will go to him and say, hey, live for God. We see you wavering. Yeah, when one of you is a little bit shaky, you say to the other one, hey, will you boys pray for me? I'm struggling. Pray for me. And y'all ought to pray together and live for God together. Wouldn't it be good to see all these young men serve God and finish right and be the next generation? Amen. Hey, listen, if there's any young men or young ladies, you say, well, I'd like to be like them. Then get off that row and get on this row. Amen. If there ought to be another row of young ladies, amen, fill this row up, bump all them off. Amen. They won't get mad about that. I'm telling you, listen, come down here and let's have another generation that wants to serve God. But there's got to be some loyalty. This thing ain't over with tonight. Amen. There's no room for coasting. I think about Carlin and Jackson and, and, and I'm praying for him. He needs a lot of prayer. Matthew Frank number two. Come running down the aisle while I was a preaching tonight. Made a lap and I know he wasn't in the spirit. Amen. He's running from his daddy. 
Hey, don't you want to see them boys make it? I'll tell you, we got to pray for their salvation. We need to pray for their spirituality. That's what we need to be praying for them right now. Amen. And them three particular. Amen. But we need to pray that they marry the right person in life. You say, they're too little. It's never too young to start praying that. We ought to pray that they live for God and that they love God. We're praying for White to be saved and Levi to be saved and Lexi to get saved. Amen. I mean, hey, they need our prayers tonight, don't they? And you know what the devil does? He works, he wedges, he keeps on until he divides. I hate the devil tonight. I hate him. Because that's all he wants to do. And if he can't if he can't get me and Brother Wilson upset or me and Brother Charles upset, you know what he'll do? He'll just plant a little seed of thought. And it's a big lie. But he'll just work that thing over in your mind. Till that lie becomes a reality. And see, I've been a lot of times, there's a man in this church that we was talking one day, and he said, you know, preacher, he said the devil did everything to try to divide us. I said, I know that. I said, thank you for being spiritually minded enough that, you, you say, did y'all ever, we never had a crossword. Never. Never had a crossword. We never disagreed on anything. But the devil works on your mind to try to defeat you and divide you. Well, I'm not going to finish the sermon tonight, but I will say this. I see his comrades. I see David's concern in verse number 3. He's concerned for his mother and his father, those that he loved. But then I'm going to close, and this was really the message, but I'm just going to close here. I want you to catch the last phrase. I see David and his commitment. He crawls in this cave. He takes his father and his mother to Moab to be safe. But when he crawls in this cave, if you want to know what David had on his mind, it's the last phrase of verse number 3. He said, I want you to take care of my father and mother till I know what God will do for me. And sometimes God has to get us in a cave and we, David said, I'm not coming out till I know what God will do for me. Now think about this. He's been running and running and running, trying to figure out life, trying to figure out what he's supposed to do, trying to figure out where God is at, trying to figure out what God's going to do. And you know what? It's got him nowhere. He's as confused when he goes down to Gath as he's ever been. And he gets so sick of that. That he comes up out of Gath and he comes and takes his mom and dad to Moab and he said, listen, he said, I'll be back to take care of my mom and dad. He said, but I'm going in this cave. He said, I ain't coming out till I know what God will do for me. You know, sometimes in life you've got to get that desperate and determined that you put everything on hold and you stop running and you say, God, I need an answer. I need direction. I need leadership. And I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to run if it costs me my life. I'm not going anywhere until I know what you're going to do for me. I see in that little phrase that David need a, he needed a personal answer. He said, until I know. It doesn't matter what other people know, what other people think. David, David said, I need a personal answer. I need to know. And then he, need a, he needed a powerful assistance, what God will do. It's not what David can do. It's what can God do. And then 
It was a personal assurance, as David said, for me. You know, there's something right now that I need God to do for me. I wish He'd do it today. I don't know if He will. But I've been asking Him every day. At least three times every day. Sometimes more as it comes to my mind. I've been asking God, would you do this for me? It's really not personally for me, but in a way I reckon it is. But God, would you do this for me? And if you don't, I know you have a better plan. You have a better will. And I accept that. But God, I'm asking you, would you do this for me? And I don't know. But I'm waiting. And I'm going to wait until I know what God will do for me. I'm going to tell you, I've seen God answer prayer. And every time I've seen Him answer prayer, it's when I got to that place where I said, okay, tired of listening to what other people say. I'm tired of asking questions. I'm tired of trying to figure it out myself. God, I'm getting serious with you. And Lord, that's this time I'm, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to get on the blood, the, the bloodhound trail of the will of God for my life in this matter. And I am not getting off of it until I know what you will do for me. Tonight, that's what God wants in our life. If we'll stand, maybe there's that one thing tonight that you've been wrestling with, you've been seeking God. You can't find an answer. Hey, just crawl in a cave and say, I'm not doing anything else until I know what you will do for me. And God will be faithful. He'll help you. He always does. Because that's who He is tonight. And while we sing, if you need to come, you obey God.